The Words with Chris and Drew podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Words with Chris and Drew and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter by at Podnose or send us an email by admin at podnose.com. For hands that do dishes that feel soft as your face. What are you, what are you doing? Use mild green. Please stop. Very liquid. It's creeping me out. You done? Music. Episode 4 or 34? 34. I have to do that every week. But who's counting, eh? Yeah, who's counting? God, Me, we, we that's four, who. We're four episodes in already. Yeah. Nearly halfway. Oh, time flies, isn't it? Time flies when you're talking shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, this week's episode is music. Ah, yes. One, finally, of our, one of our favourite things. Yeah, finally something we actually know about. Yeah, this might be a problem for the format, actually. Do you think? Well, because a lot of the entertainment value is derived from the fact that neither of us know what the fuck we're talking about most of the time. I know. Well, we, this is know. something we're reasonably well performed on. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see yeah. how it works out. But, um, yeah, this should be good. Um, we have all of your questions, as usual. We have Drew Sop's Fable coming at the end. And the feature this week is going to be Desert Island Discs. Woo. If you're not familiar... Um, Basically, a format um, uh, made by Roy Plomley in 1942. You wow. have to pick eight at the eight albums that you would take on a desert island with you. Yes, no yes. more and no less. Are we doing the luxury items and the books as well? Uh, seeing as it's just a music episode, let's just do the albums. Obviously, we'll be here forever. Ah, fair enough. So we'll get well, to it's that. It's a great format. Yeah, I would say. You know, I, I do enjoy Desert Island Discs. Because yeah. it's, it's, you know, people tend to choose the tracks, not just that they like the best, but tracks which in some way define some part of their yeah, journey yeah. in life. Well, know. I've done mine. I've prepared mine. Yeah, I'm kind of just going to wing it, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, this is a late night recording. This might be the latest we've ever yeah. recorded. I mean, it's not going to make a difference to you listening. Well, no, the, I think the Ibiza one was late Oh, Later. that's a good, good point, actually. I'd be for that was like one in the morning or something. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Ignore what I just said. And you can tell because we're both very tired and emotional, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, all right, I guess we'll just dive in. Why not? Get cracking. Why not? Music. Yeah. Okay, first question, Mr. Dan Cox. Hey, Dan Cox. Hey, Dan Cox, indeed. He said, is Stormzy a real person... Or did someone on Magic Mushrooms just make him up? I don't know who that is. <laughs> so He's a grime rapper, hip-hop man. He's a grime of music. Okay, yes. fair enough. Um, actually, no, he was in the papers recently because apparently the police kicked his door in for no good reason. Why did they, why did they do that? I don't know. Like I say, for no good reason. Well, that's not very nice. No. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's a bit of a dick move, really. Well, on that evidence, then technically he should be real. Yeah, if I've, he's got a daughter. Well, that's in. it. Exactly. You would imagine he'd be fairly substantial and quite corporeal. <laughs> good word. Good word. We're corporeal. Off to a flyer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I've dropped my book. No, don't drop that. Oh no, it's got all the important questions yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The show would be ruined without that. <laughs> yeah. It, it actually, it actually would. Yeah. That's not a lie. No. If this book disappears, we're we're up shit creek. Um, I don't know, is, is he a real person? You, you seem to know no, who he is. I, I, I looked up who he was. I've heard about him. He's one of those names that kind of just appears. He's like becomes overnight, like, and he's just suddenly a household name. But I've, no, I've never heard anything he's done. No. 
But I frequently see people posting being like, oh, blasting Stormzy's new album, like, this shit is fire. <laughs> you okay, know? well, well done, Stormzy. So, yeah, good old Stormzy, well done, mate. I'll have to check out your fire. Well um, done. But yeah, I, f- I, f- I think he's real. Good, good, well, we've cleared that one up. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I think we've established Stormzy's real. Good. Um, <laughs> cheers, Dad. Um, Julian Bennett. Hey, Julian Bennett. Right, here we go. As generations progress, um, each one will say the music was much better in my day. Seeing that my day tends to relate to one's formative years, let's say the decade from your early teens, would you say this is true, that music has progressively become worse, or that it's relative and the outgoing generation has just become old in a Victor Meldrew sense? If it's the former then which decade would you say has been the most consistent for good music and or innovation? Oh, that's a great question, actually. It is a great that's question. That's a fantastic question. Um, yeah. So we give Julian the prize for best question already? Is there a prize? Well, we gave one last week to Kim for her ring uh, two TVs. Did Kim actually get a prize, though? Or did no. we just say we are going to give her I a prize? I saw her earlier, I didn't give her anything, so... <laughs> well, there you go. Julian, your prize is a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. But it's still a great question. Well done. Um... Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of sense. Does there's a lot of sense there actually? Because when people say there's no good music any anymore, what they generally mean is there's no music that sounds like when I was young anymore. Yeah, you know, all that I like. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like I mean, like for me, to answer sort of Julian's question there, the the period for me that kind of really sort of does that for me mm. is like a lot of the stuff that, that came out in the nineties. Yeah. You know, because that was really when I first sort of discovered music. Yeah. And, you know, it just sticks with you. You know, you hear you hear a tune from that period. And it takes and you it back. Instantly, you're, you, it takes you back two decades. Well, actually, you were yeah. saying earlier on, because we're doing uh, people that aren't familiar, me and Andrew and Nick Sampson are doing a, a wedding band... This is a bit of a shameless self-promotion here. Yeah, so if, okay, anyone's, good. if anyone's getting married... <laughs> anyone getting hitched or thinking about getting hitched. Yeah, and also if anyone wants to sing for our band, then we'll come and sing for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we're learning some old classics that you might hear at a wedding or... A None of them are from the 90s, either. No, but you said earlier about um, Psalm 41. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds you that you used to be young. Yeah, you said it made you a little bit depressed. It did. Yeah. Because in the early 2000s, the world seemed a lot more fun than it is now. Yeah. I don't know if that's because the world has got less fun or I just got older. Well, this is the whole point yeah. Julian's making. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, but having said that, having said that, um, I think people, the, the, the music that people sort of listen to in their youth is always going to be the stuff that resonates with them for the rest of their life most strongly. Yeah, I think. yeah. I, don't, I think that's inescapable. But having said that, I think that there was probably a period from you know from the 1960s to the mid-70s, the growth rate of kind of popular music really went off the chart quite, quite spectacularly during that period, you know? Because yeah. you started that decade pre-Beatles. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Beatles debuted in 63 or something like that. Something like that, yeah. And before the Beatles, the norm was that bands didn't write songs they, got, <laughs> they either got given songs or they covered songs that already existed yeah and you yeah, know the first couple of Beatles albums they're full of covers I think Please Please Me probably has as many covers as it does original songs on it you yeah. know um, and by the end of the decade they kind of completely reinvented what the album actually meant you know yeah this is true and that was you know nowadays you know, albums you know you get about four million albums released every week these days mm. you know but like they kind of completely revolutionised the very notion of it. Yeah. You know? Would, uh, you, would you say music, um, you know, objectively has become worse? Well, In the whole, you know, they don't make them like they used to kind and, of way. But, you know, after the Beatles, you ended up with, you know, you had, well, at the same time as the Beatles, you had The Doors, you had The Who, heavy metal kind of got started. Yeah. Um, you know, up to the mid-70s, you had Led Zeppelin, prog rock kicked off. Yeah, you know the best Pink Floyd albums happened in I think in the early half of the seventies, you know. Um, so I think in that sense, the the growth rate of 
popular music in terms of in artistic terms was far quicker at that period than it has been possibly for any point since. Do yeah, you know I, mean? I see what you mean. Um, that said, I think there is still. I, I mean, it does kind of bug me when people say, oh, there's no good music anymore. Because I think there's plenty of good music. You just have to look for it now. Yeah. It's not, you know, I think it's, it's not the case anymore that you're going to hear the music that you like and all the good music on Radio 1 or Capital or Kiss or whatever. Yeah. You know, if, if there's a particular musical itch that you need scratching, then look for it. Because it's yeah. out there. Yeah, you know, you you got Spotify, you got Deezer, you got YouTube, yeah. you got Bandcamp even, and yeah. Bandcamp Bandcamp is fantastic for that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, because you could find people that like you wouldn't have found otherwise. Yeah, Ben at work frequently uses Bandcamp. Yeah, because he listens to a lot of like punk and stuff. Yeah, so it's not in the mainstream. So it just yeah, you know, it kind of grates on me when people say, "Oh, all the good music's happened." It's like no, it was... people people have been saying that since time immemorial. Going going back to the Beatles. Um, um, the guy from Decca Records, I believe, I can't remember his name, refused to sign the Beatles because he was under the impression that guitar bands would be out of fashion in the next two years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, that so, was... Uh, you that know, was oh yeah, yeah, all the good guitar music's done now. There'll never <laughs> be any more good guitar music after. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, there you go. That was a long and meandering non-answer. <laughs> yeah. So, good. But good, I enjoyed the question very much, though. Yeah, he's got another question as well. Oh, even better. Um, he's, he says, In my opinion, I believe that nigh all modern music came from the blues. Would you agree? If so, explain. Oh, it's another good question, actually. Yeah, Julian's, um, Julian's a musical man. Dread Centre, big Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for that theory, actually, yeah. you know. Because if you think about where popular music in terms of the music industry is, is is now kind of came from you can trace that back to sort of like the 1950s rock and roll so Bill Haley and the Comets and Buddy Holly and and all that sort of stuff but all of that stuff was based on the 12 bar blues yeah which came from the blues right you know yeah, yeah. and this is the thing like modern music now I mean if you try and draw a straight line directly between like uh, Robert Johnson and Ed Sheeran, yeah. it's gonna be, you're gonna be like what, what yeah. the fuck, um, but I think there's a lot to be said because the overall development of it, you know, so much of it is based, so much of it started with that whole thing, you know, in the 1950s. I mean, rock and roll, the idea that music could be like a youth subcultural phenomenon, started then, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, God knows what music was like beforehand. I heard completely the, um, ghastly. I should imagine. <laughs> yeah. I heard that um, the whole uh, that sort of blues rhythm came from the heartbeat. That okay. It was supposed to be. That's where it came the, from. The, the swing rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can. I can kind of see that. Which makes, I quite. Makes which sense. I, I like. I like that. It does make a good amount of sense. That. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I mean, I. I would. I would support this theory. Quite frankly. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it is derived from the. Uh, from the blues. I think you've... I mean, it's... I mean, I... You know... Let's be honest. I mean, occasionally a fairly bastardised form of the blues. Yeah. And commercialised. Um, but, you yeah, know, I think it's un- inescapable. nonetheless. It's inescapable, really. If you, yeah. d- if you don't have the blues, you wouldn't have popular music as you know it today. Fair play. Good answer. I think you answered that one uh, better than the last one. Oh, awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, cheers, Julian. Good cracking questions. Um, okay, Matt Raven. Hey, Matt Raven. He says, How have Slayer got away with playing the same song continuously for 12 albums over 30 years? Right, listen. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, Matt, I know you're not big into Slayer. I like Slayer. Right. Please explain to me how the fuck Haunting the Chapel... Sounds like the same album as Seasons in the Abyss. Show you're working, I'm waiting. <laughs> oh. Nobody has ever managed to answer this satisfactorily. <laughs> well, we need a post from Mr. It is a popular trope in metal that Slayer have been like unbelievably repetitive. And, you know, there yeah. is, there's maybe an element of truth in it, but I, I wholeheartedly reject the idea that they've literally only got one trick in their, in their okay. trick bag. 
I mean, yeah, I know what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, you you hear like a, you hear a thrash beat, and I think you hear a certain you... combination of notes, and you instantly think Slayer. Yeah, I understand that part of it, but you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's reasonable to say that it's probably not fair. It's, to say that. I don't think it is. <laughs> I think Slayer. I mean, you know. One thing I will say is that from maybe the Divine Intervention album onwards, I don't think they really added a significant amount to their trick bag since that point. Right. But, you know, over the course of their career, I, you can't argue, you cannot, it is inarguable that there has been development. No, you yeah. just can't, you know. Fair enough. You know, I won't have it. I'm not having this. <laughs> Loving it. It's just I've seen them live a couple of times, and, I mean, live, I do, I do get bored yeah. of Slayer. I mean, I, get, I stick around, you know. I like Slayer. I don't care. I don't care what anyone. It's, I mean, it's got to the point now where it's maybe not even cool to admit that you like Slayer. <laughs> you know? because, How yeah. did that happen? Is it like it's sort of like Metallica now? Yeah, maybe. But like the fact that it's Slayer is kind of like. I remember a time when you're like, you said to someone, "Oh, I'm into Slayer." Oh, fucking cool, awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now, it's, my friend. Yeah. Whereas now it's kind of like, oh god. Yeah. Why do What do you listen to them for? And I was like. Mm-hmm. Is it not a case of like is it not a case of music some music aging better than others? Do you know what I mean? The funny thing when is when you say when you say like people now it used to be a thing like if you like Slayer or if you didn't like Slayer it was like what's wrong with you? But well, now people are going oh for God's sake Slayer but is that not a, is that not like a a sign of it aging badly? Uh, maybe I mean but as with a lot of bands. And this isn't unique to Slayer. I think their classic material has aged better than their more recent stuff. Yeah, do you know fair what I, mean? I do want to tell you a funny story though about Slayer. Yeah, Go on. well, Jan. It's quite short, but it did make me laugh. Jan. Jan I know Luca, Jan doesn't like Slayer, does he? Uh, I'm not sure his his persuasion on Slayer, but he he once convinced one of his friends that Kerry King had a giant Star of David tattooed on his back. <laughs> which I found pretty fucking hilarious okay Um, Um, I think it's I mean I'm fairly confident that he doesn't no of course he fucking doesn't yeah Um, (laughs) alright cheers Matt Um, yeah Andrew will be waiting for your uh, I want want to hear your I eagerly await your response and your best defence yeah yeah alright Matt so yeah post that in the next uh, when we put this up alright I want to hear that I want to see that and then Andrew can like argue back the week after. All right, good. Um, Martin Bird. Hey, Martin Bird. I like this question a lot. Um, if Aliens landed, and you had to pick one song to explain what metal was, what would you choose? <laughs> oh man, that's a tough one. Yeah, because there's quite a lot of metal, isn't there? There's a lot of metal. It's uh, not just metal. There's... there's lots of different types of metal. You got classic metal. Like, are we going to go through the entire? No, we don't. We don't need to go through all this. We don't need to go through. I think people understand generally that there's quite a lot of them. Just metal. All, um, under, all under one. I suppose the the best one I could think of is the Book of Heavy Metal by Dream Evil. Do you, <laughs> do you know that song? Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. It's unbelievably cheesy. Right. Um, it it could like. If it turned up at the Eurovision Song Contest one year, you wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Yeah. But it opens with the line, I signed a contract with the devil. <laughs> and it's like, you want to say, no, you didn't, you stupid, <laughs> you stupid man. But the song is so unbelievably, unapologetically trashy and right. crass that you can't help but get just caught up with it. Yeah. Like, read all about it. <laughs> In the book of heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully the aliens will get it at that point. <laughs> yeah, alright. Any others you could think of? Like maybe some Dio? Uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Holy Divers, probably as good a place to start as any. Yeah, Sabbath. Um, Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. Yeah. That, you, you know, that kind of laid the blueprint, didn't it? Pretty much. Um... Far Beyond Metal by Strapping Young Lad. That's quite fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so any of those, I think uh, I think Aliens would pretty much get the picture after that. Well, what they would make of it, goodness knows. Oh, I know. I wonder what they're listening to up there. 
Well, maybe they probably trans. They probably got to the point. You know, if 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 they if they're advanced enough to kind of visit us, mm. they probably got to the point where like mere genre. They've transcended the idea of mere genres and styles, or even music. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They probably all the artists in their world have transcended to the point where all the music is essentially the same. No, maybe. And it's just this collective subconscious that they can just tap into at will. Well, there's a thought. Well, that's what, you know, that's really, I think, what music is, is appeal. that's why it's appealing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that idea of a collective subconscious that everyone... Yeah, everyone can, can relate Everyone to participates in. Yeah. And music is a manifestation of that. So... That's why, you know, when you hear a particular song or whatever, and you, you get it without even being able to fathom it, <coughs> you know? Yeah. Which means, you know, it stands to reason that somewhere out there there is a collection of notes and a collection of words and sounds that could be put together to make one song that everyone... It's impossible not to get. It's a nice thought, really. Yeah. One day. I hope that's that's true. Yeah. But would it ruin music altogether if someone wrote that song... And then it was over. It's like, oh, music's done. That's the, that, there wouldn't that's, be well, there wouldn't be any need for any more music. They've won music. Well, is it, it's not a competition. Let's though. be honest. Tall won music ages ago. <laughs> Everything right. before that was tuning up. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Yeah. All right, well, let's move yeah, on. Music's not, <laughs> music's not a competition, though, is it? Really? No, it's not. Well, it shouldn't be. I mean, the ultimate goal of an artist surely is to kind of reach a point where you don't need to make music anymore because you don't have anything that you need to express anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or there's nothing you need to vent or exercise anymore. No, this is true. Whatever. All right, Rab McLennan. How, how, how are we going to get a food question in this <laughs> I, I can't see You it. know, he's mad. I actually saw him on the bus yesterday and he was he was so upset that he, his question last week didn't make it in because he was He was too late, late, wasn't he? Yeah, so he was like, he made sure he got this one in. Um, he said, a good few bands have written songs about booze, but, but none to my knowledge of about food. So if you were to do so, what would the song title be? If we were to write a song about food. You wanted to write a song called Bangers and Thrash for a while, didn't you? I did, Bangers and, or, yeah, Bangers and Thrash. Or, I think The Hell did a song called Bangers and Mosh. They probably did, yeah. Which annoyed me, because I was like... They nearly nicked your. They, they nearly they nicked, nicked half me. of your idea. Yeah, yeah. I was pissed. I was annoyed with that. Yeah. Um, That's the hell they can do what they like. Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, bangers and bangers and fresh. It's a great name. Um, what else could there be? <laughs> Ten ton steak. Well, there's a band called Steak. Oh yeah. We played with them once, a long Maybe. time ago. About. Five or six years ago. Oh, well, there you go, Rab. Look up a band called Steak. They're good. What was that band? The was it the um, the something hot pots? The Lancashire hot. The pots. Lancashire hot pots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Liam, this is we played a gig at uh, the Borderline a while ago, didn't we? And Liam yeah. saw a flyer, a poster for the Lanc- a band called the Lancashire Hot Pots. <laughs> yeah. Um, and essentially, they're meant to be a Lancastrian version of. Um, the Wordles yeah basically I looked them up it's not that good to be honest with you it's a shame because this is the thing the Wurzels they had the they obviously had the country bumpkin gimmick but they also had some fairly entertaining songs as well yeah and um, the Lancashire Hot Pots on the evidence of what I heard <laughs> had the gimmick and that was it yeah which is a shame mm-hmm. the Wurzels are still touring as well incidentally really yes Will you go see them? If they come to Bromley, I might. <laughs> well, I don't think, I'm not convinced I would venture much further than Bromley to go and see them. <laughs> no. Considering I only know three of their songs. Yeah, no. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Rab had another question as well. He said, um, what do you like to eat before a gig? He specified not a festival because he said he asked that he in did, one of the he? other seasons. Just, yeah. to, just, a, just a normal gig. A gig that we're going to or a gig that we're playing... A uh, gig do we going to? I do. I, I had a very. I had a one thing I did a few years ago. I went to see Devin Townsend's Retinal Circus mm-hmm. at the, at the um, Camden Roundhouse. Yeah. A few years ago, and I met up with a few friends beforehand. Right. And um, and we um, 
we ended up going uh, to Yo Sushi beforehand, actually, in Camden. Oh, yeah, there's one of those in the Glades now. Yeah. I haven't visited it was, yet. It was very, very pleasant, actually. Sushi before a metal gig, that's a bit out there. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, one thing I hate at a gig, particularly, and this was a long gig as well, this, the entire show was about three hours or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Um, and one thing I really don't like at a gig is where, yeah, you obviously have your dinner beforehand. Mm. And you have something really, really, really heavy, and it's just sitting there the entire time. Yeah, kind you're of kills, so, kills you. You're buzz. surrounded by people. It's <laughs> yeah. really hot in the venue, and yeah. it's unbelievably loud. And you've got suddenly got indigestion because you've had a couple of pints as well. Yeah, I, you, it's awful. You know, it, I think a subway is enough to keep me going through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go, Rab. There's some interesting that's, that's food stories relating to music. I like it. Um, cool. Um, Darren Packham. Hey, Darren. Uh, I, this is good as well. Uh, when in a stressful situation, I, like being stuck in traffic or something, um, do you prefer heavier music to power through it or something more soothing? Ooh, good question. Good question. Yeah. I have this problem. I don't like food shopping particularly. No, I don't. Because I get, I, get, I get flustered and I make impulse purchases that I regret later on. Um, do, you start with, things, do you start? Do you make a list before you start? Uh, sort of a mental list. No, though. that's no good. Well, the thing is, I find I always like I don't like being out in public. <laughs> so I always have. If you, music if you have a physical list and you've done and you've got a sort of routine, if you've got a process, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, um, I know I'm, I'm a generally quite an organised person. Like, yeah, and, but it's it's kind because of, I usually buy the same things. I have the mental list, but then I like when I go oh it's like there's a few things I'll choose between. This is well off the point. This is, my point was that when I go shopping, I always have music playing in my ears. Uh, okay. And I found that if I have like really heavy music or like fast stuff or energetic stuff, I, it really t- it throws me off. Like I have to have something really like quite chilled out when I'm food shopping. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's my idea of a stressful situation doing my food shopping. Yeah. What's your idea of a stressful situation, and how do you? Get well, it doesn't to... involve food shopping. Usually. No. I mean, I don't especially enjoy it. It's a bit of a pain, but you know, it's not yeah. like, yeah, I can deal with it. Fairly yeah, yeah. Well, I deal with it. I deal with it. Um, no, I mean, traffic jams is is the one, isn't it? Yeah. So, what what do you prefer in a traffic jam? Ah, that's a very, very, very good question. Because a lot of the time, if I'm in a traffic jam, I'll make a very conscious choice. To say, right, I need to listen to something fairly relaxed. Yeah. But the trouble is, in sort of, like, making a really conscious um, and really concerted and contrived effort to do something relaxing, I find that it just produces the opposite effect a lot of the time, you know? Yeah. I don't know if it's the same for you. No, I kind of get what you mean. So, like, sometimes it's like, oh, I need to chill. I'll listen to Casualties of Cool. That's a chilled album. But the trouble is, I then get very, very sort of like uh, I just need to relax mm. you know what I mean when you try when yeah, you, when you consciously try to relax you or when I consciously try to relax yeah. it has it produces entirely the opposite effect whereas I find listening to heavy music because obviously you know, I like heavy yeah, music yeah. Um, I find it immensely cathartic yeah you know which I think is why most people listen well, this to this is it, the thing I've, I've been in I've, obviously I've been in a car with you many times driving the gigs and stuff mm. And it sounds weird, but sometimes coming back from a gig, like, when you're coming back about midnight and you've got maybe, like, a two-hour drive or something, mm. we put on things like Behemoth or Flesh God Apocalypse, and mm. it actually starts sending me to sleep. Mm. It's got, like, a weird, like, death metal and things like that actually have, like, quite a... I mean, to some people, it would just sound mental, and you'd be like, oh, you're just saying that, you're talking shit, like, like if you just... I suppose if you it's it has, it. it has that kind of, like... <laughs> There's just a, like a hum to it. Yeah, and it's that like, constant hyper, that high velocity rhythm. Yeah, like all the time, it has a sort of trance inducing yeah, exactly, quality yeah. to it, doesn't it? So it's yeah. kind of yeah, you wouldn't expect it to do so, but it really does. Um, I find that with uh, Sugar as well. Yeah, it has a slightly trance-like quality to it if you yeah. allow it to. It's like clockwork. It's just like I tell you, one one album you definitely if you need to stay awake, one album you definitely. Do not want to listen to, <laughs> particularly if you're driving, is Dope Smoker by Sleep. 
Oh yeah, I've heard. I've, I've told. I don't know if I've told you about it. I think I've heard Jason <laughs> spoke about it. You should listen to it. It's basically. Sleep had released. This was in the nineties at some point. Sleep had released um, two or three albums prior to this. Okay. And then they signed to a major label, and they were like, "Oh, great major label!" And they ended up basically writing an album, which was like pretty much one riff for an entire oh, album, yeah. for an entire hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And yeah, the, 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 the rationale behind it was like sometimes. A riff is just so good you want to hear it again and again. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. a riff is so good that you need to hear it for 57 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And so they basically turned it into the re- to the major... This would be their major label debut. Yeah. And basically the label's response was, no, seriously, where's the real album? <laughs> and that, that is... This is it. This is Dope Smoker by Sleep. This is the album. So we're not going to release that. <laughs> And so they didn't, and then Sleep basically went on an indefinite hiatus at that point, and essentially disbanded. But the thing is, obviously, bootleg versions of it because, and and demo versions of it yeah. started circulating. Obviously, mm-hmm. the the Doom and Stoner community obviously has a very sort of active um, sort of DIY and tape trading sort of element to it. Yeah, and quite unexpectedly, it became a bit of a cult phenomenon yeah. even though it had never actually got released and so something like 10 or 15 years later or whatever it was someone actually had the bright idea of saying actually this album is unbelievably famous because it's become a cult legend yeah yeah and it's like oh well let's actually release Dope Smoker by Sleep now <laughs> it is a bit ludicrous it is but like you listen to it and it's this unbelievably thick wall of bass and guitars and drums playing really 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 slowly like yeah. really slowly mm. and it's just that constant sort of low frequency humming yeah. all the way through you you just kind of drift off if you're not careful yeah I could see that it's a great album though. I mean, if, if you like monotonous cellular <laughs> doom then yeah. you should definitely listen to it yeah. if, if you, you, like if you don't riff. listen if you don't you should check it out anyway because it's it's a singular experience in music. I think. <laughs> All right, um, we're gonna do our feature now. Oh, good. Um, about halfway through the podcast, so it's time for Desert Island Discs. Um, yeah, music. Are we gonna do music for that? Okay. Desert have you, Island. Have you had a think. Desert Island Discs. Go on then. What you what what eight albums kind of. Letter Alice by Tool. Okay, why? Well, Ten Thousand Days by Tool. Okay, why? Well, the, the, I, I was going to say that the I picked albums that all kind of uh, sum up my personality, different parts of my personality. Uh, and when I listen to each of these albums, I go into a different like place uh, in my head. So yeah, Lateralis and Ten Thousand Days by Tool would have to be there. Francis the Mute by Mars Volta, I would have. Uh, the Feeding, American Head Charge. Uh, Money Shot by Pussifer. LD50 by Mudvayne. Thirteen Step, A Perfect Circle. And From Mars to Sirius, Gojira. They're mine, your turn. So most of those had uh, main art them, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, so two, one, two, two, two three, three, four of the eight. So half of your Desert Island Discs feature Maynard. Yeah. Okay, well, there you does go. That even, does that surprise you? No, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest, quite no. frankly. There you go. I'm only surprised there wasn't more Mudvayne. Well, they were my youth. Yeah, well... Tool was my present. That's the thing, isn't it? Is, well, Mudvayne were the band, really, which kind of got... Was they the band that got me into metal Heavy probably. music. Yeah. yeah. I'd heard heavy music before, like Limp Biscuit. I think my brother bought their album. Uh, chocolate starfish. Yeah, yeah. Everyone had and that was, back in the my day. My brother was into like Nirvana and Metallica and stuff, but I, nothing really caught my attention that much until I heard my vein, and then I was like, "This is it." Mm. It's interesting actually thinking about it now that like obviously Limp Biscuit people in the metal world still talk about them occasionally. Yeah, but it's it's interesting that how at that time that album was. A mainstream pop culture phenomenon as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean like in a way that heavy music hasn't been since then? Yeah, I know. What you Do you mean. know what I mean like Roland was on the radio constantly? Yeah. Like on and not just on like the XFM rock show. Well, it like, almost became like a novelty record though. 
Yeah, it, it was a little bit, I suppose. Anyway, what what are your crazy. what are your eight albums? Oh man, eight eight bits of music, eh? Trapped on a desert island. You know the eight bits of music. Yeah. To remind me of uh, not being trapped on a desert yeah, island. Yeah, basically. I suppose that's the point, isn't it? Um, well, let's see. Let's see. I think the very, very first one we have to be an album called The Extremist by Joe Satriani, who, for those of you who don't know, Joe Satriani is an instrumental guitar player. And yeah. I know, obviously, the guitar is an instrument, so that's a bit of a tautology. Um, but he releases albums which are almost entirely instrumental, almost entirely without vocals. Yeah. Sometimes he sings, but not very often. And... That was the first bit of music I developed a very strong opinion about. Okay. Basically. Second album? And, um, second album. I suppose the next band I got into properly after that was probably actually Blur, actually. Blur? Okay. Yeah, Interesting choice. Blur. And it, and weird, I called them at a slightly weird point in their career because the song which sort of hooked me initially was Song 2, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I got the album that was on and listened to that and really got into that album. And that was when they were sort of trying to move away from being a Britpop band. Yeah. And were sort of moving into maybe slightly more experimental territory. Okay. In the words of Damon Albarn at the time, no more fucking brass bands. (laughs) All right. Third album? Uh, uh, That's two, isn't it? Yes, oh, that's what Jesus. I said, third album. Um, I suppose the next band I properly got into after that... I did have a very long love affair with um, Ocean Colour Scene after that, actually. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> OK. Because um, they released an album during that period... They released two really good albums during that period. Right. I think they're really good, and anyone who disagrees can go away. <laughs> go away. Get off my desert island. Yeah. This is for people who like ocean colour scene. <laughs> um, they released an album called. Mo- they released two albums: Mosley Shoals and Marching Already. Which one are you picking? I suppose it's got to be Mosley Shoals because it's, right. it's a better album. Fourth album. Uh, Trying to get you through these because uh, we could be here a while. Um, after them, I suppose these are some really fucking embarrassing albums in here. Now that I think about it, sure, sure, uh, island. Yeah, it's my island. Yeah, I can do what I like, can't I? Yeah. Woo. Um, in terms of, I suppose after that, around again around the same time, age about fourteen, fifteen, I was very into stereophonics for a while. Okay. So that would have been. Performance and Cocktails, that album. Had right. The Bartender and The Thief on it and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. Right. But that was important. That was an important one for me because those were the first actual songs, like song songs, that I learned on the guitar. Right, that's a fair one. And it was very approachable because, you know, it's, it's all very simple, straightforward music with just sort of very basic riffs and chord sequences in it. But that was a big deal because it was like... I got the um, I got the tab book for Christmas one year, mm. and I was like, "This is great! These are actual songs, like songs that an actual band are playing, and I can keep up with it." Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, and that was a bit of a a bit of a revelation. You know? Okay. So that was an important one. Fifth. Uh, after that, it's got to be Metallica. Which album? Don't kill me. It's gonna have to be Reload. Okay. And the re- reason for that is that that was the first Metallica album I listened to. All right. And had I not, you've picked the wrong album, but it's it's not my it's not my favorite by a long <laughs> shot. In fact, I think it's probably it's one of their weakest albums by yeah. by some distance. <laughs> I can tell you that quite confidently now. But the, but that was a but it was a very important one because had I not heard that album, I would probably not listen to heavy music at all. Right, fair enough. That yeah. was the one that started it for me. Sick. From there, I discovered the good Metallica albums. Yeah. And from there, the rest of the you know, metal in all of its splendour for us. So at this point, then you've know you know about metal. So sixth. Uh, um, I would say probably Leviathan by Mastodon. Mastodon. Okay. 
because obviously I've been into by that point I've been in, listening to metal for a few years and had been sort of doing the standard things so Metallica Pantera Killswitch Engage mm-hmm. you know the, the standard things that someone of my generation would yeah. be listening to if they had a passing interest in heavy metal Mass, that album was the first um, if you like in inverted commas difficult metal album that I ever listened to Right, yeah. And that really was a game changer because that was kind of like this music isn't just about going thud, thud, thud and screaming about how angry you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, and yeah. I mean, you can do that if you like. You know, nothing wrong with that. But you can really, really take this form and really go to some incredible places with it. All right. The the only limit is your imagination. So two left. Um, Wow. Only two left. Jeez. Uh, uh, Catch 33 by Meshuggah. Fair enough. Because I think in terms of modern metal, I don't think anything has topped it. Mm, okay. Basically. Interesting. Last album? Uh... This is tricky, because there's two things I want to choose between. Oh, uh, you can only have one. I'm only allowed one, aren't I? What are the two choices? Either Devin Townsend or Gojira. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I know I'm a very, very big fan of both, as you know. Yeah, obviously. Um, I would have to pick... God, this is hard. Yeah. Uh, I'd pick Terrier by Devin Townsend. Ooh. Oh, you, you understand that choice. I yeah, think. fair enough. Yeah. All right, that was Desert Island Discs. Ooh. Well done. Yeah. Uh, okay, back to the questions. Um, ben Nothing. Hey, Ben Nothing. If, <laughs> if Bill and Ted and Wayne and Gar formed a supergroup, what would they be called? And what song would they cover first? And which member would develop a drug problem and get kicked out first? <laughs> I could see Garth being a total liability, actually. <laughs> right, okay. Because the reason being is that Bill and Ted, they were like symbiotic almost. They were totally on a level all the way through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas yeah. with Wayne and Garth, you always got the sense that Garth felt a little bit jealous of Wayne. Or at least, yeah. or at least, felt that Wayne being like the front man, if you like, you always got the sense that Garth felt a bit undermined by it, a little bit. So you think Garth would be? So the... if anyone was going to go off the rails, I reckon it would be Garth. Okay, what would the band be called? Darren, uh, Darren said they they'd be called the Wild World of Wayne Stallions. Yeah, I mean, you can't really, <laughs> you can't really fault that. But again, the problem there is that. It doesn't mention Garth at all. Because oh, no, Bill and Ted are in hell. The naming of the band would push him over the edge. Yeah. And that would yeah, be yeah. it. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Um, They'd be called the cream of some young guy. <laughs> okay, yeah. I like it. Uh, Alright, cheers for that. Um, Robert Honeyman. Hey, Robert Honeyman. Um, why, do, why does certain music make you put your foot down when you're driving, um, sometimes not even consciously, is it generally a speed thing or is it a subconscious act? I think they have actually studied this, you know. No, really? I say they, what I mean is some... The men The men came and studied some, it. Some research team somewhere. Not, yeah. you, not the Chris and Drew research team. No, the words... Those yeah, yeah, useless yeah. tosses. Those guys, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was... They, it was I, I don't recall whether it was to do with the tempo. I think it might have been actually thinking about it. If you listen to music above a certain tempo, it can yeah. affect your driving behaviour fairly yeah. substantially. Well, Sam Edwards was saying to me the other week, there's certain songs that he just can't put on when he drives because mm. it's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I can't listen to Flesh God Apocalypse when I drive. No. Um, if you've never listened to them, you probably should. Yeah, I agree. It'll either You'll either be like, what the fuck is this shit? Or you'll be like, this is quite fun. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I just think it's yeah. I think it's just a subconscious thing, isn't it? You hear a fast tempo, and instantly you start doing everything faster, don't you? Yeah, well, I do it when I'm walking. Yeah. If I've got like metal on, I'm like, 
Like, I've been listening to quite a lot of Behemoth recently, and right. when I'm well, walking yeah. with that, I'm like... They've got some ridiculous tempos going on there, haven't they? Yeah, so I'm like walking at a ridiculous pace. So, yeah, I guess it is just a speed thing, really, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> All right, cheers for that, Rob. Um, Adam McJarrett. Hey, Adam McJarrett. You get to make a super group. Who would be in it, and what genre would they be playing? Oh, blimey. Yeah. Uh... How about I pick... Yeah, we have to do this as a joint thing. You see, this is a, tri- pick... this is a tricky one, though. We'll just do, we'll do singer, guitarist, drama, bassist, standard, four piece. Yeah, piece. okay. But this you is... get to pick a guitarist. Okay. You get to pick I a drummer. I get to pick a drummer. I get to pick singer and you get to pick bassist. Okay. You're not allowed to pick Danny Carey or um I wouldn't pick Maynard. Well I'm allowed to pick one. Uh, okay. I'm not I'll Maynard's singing oh, in the supergroup. This is a tricky one though, because like super <laughs> supergroups a lot of the time don't work. Well let, let's just, just just say that they do. I mean sometimes um, they do. Well I'm picking Maynard as a singer, who are you picking as a guitarist? Um um, Matt Pike of Sleep and High on Fire. Okay, again, yeah, this could work. With Maynard. Yeah, yeah, that could work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of a like. I've forgotten his name. Um, who's the drummer from Mars Volta? Oh god. Um, they've had they've had a few. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, the drummer that drummed on <laughs> uh, Francis the Mute. How about that? Yeah, whoever that was. That guy. Uh, and you need to pick a bassist. Hmm. So the guy from the geezer from the Mars, Walter, Matt Pike, Maynard, they need a bass player. They do, yeah. Oh. Geddy Lee, why not? Who's he from? Rush. Uh, that's an interesting band that's a really interesting band <laughs> and the genre I, I know for a fact that's, that Matt Pike is a fan of Rush so there you go uh, that would work then. well he's a fan of Geddy Lee actually more specifically so fair enough yeah so you can't argue with that um, alright cheers for that Adam um, uh, what have we got Sam Edwards simply says baby metal what the fuck is that <laughs> uh, we saw baby metal yeah, that was fucking great. I, you know what? I don't care. I find them unbelievably entertaining. I fucking hate them. I heard "Gimme Chocolate" for the first time, and it's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And after about a minute, I was like, this is amazing. I just feel like it's a massive piss take. It is. Yeah, and no, I don't find it funny. I don't find it funny or entertaining. It's a shame. I think it's a stain on the musical map. Really? Yeah, I don't even want to call it music. What do they do? Do they write that music? I doubt I don't it. No. Exactly. So it's just like, fuck off. Just fuck off, Baby Metal. Is there any. I don't where, give where a shit it, if you like Baby Metal. Where is it You're written? You're a moron. Where is it written? <laughs> where is it written that prefab J pop music and heavy metal are not allowed to cross contaminate? Does it need to be written down? I should say. Does it need to be written down for it to be wrong? Well, it's a figure of speech. Yeah. Well, who's who's making that rule? Is what I want. I am. As of now. Yeah. Well, I I I question your authority, quite frankly. Bring it. You know, I as I said before, and as I say many times, I I think the metal scene sometimes, most most of the time, takes itself far too seriously, and needs something like baby metal in it occasionally. Just to kind of shake everyone up a little bit. Yeah, but there's... I don't see it as, like, a break. I see it as... It's just like a publicity stunt. It's not yeah. so much a break from, like... It is, and what of The it? heaviness of... Or the seriousness of metal. It's like there's other bands that could do that. Like, Such as? Well, like, Primus do that quite well. Uh, are, they, say. are they strictly in the metal scene, though? No, but just in, like, alternative... Whatever. Like, make it more broad. Like, mm. alternative music and stuff. You see, I, I'm, I'm firmly the opinion that heavy metal fans for all the tough guy posturing and all the rest of it... It's, are, I'm not trying to be a tough guy by saying I don't like baby metal. ...are hugely oversensitive about metal. Um, it's, not, it's not even that. I just think, no matter... Even, whatever genre you want to put them in, I think they're shit. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I, I respectfully disagree, well, basically. Yeah, you're wrong. I, I, I mean, you know, 
I'm not, you know, I couldn't say I could literally talk you through like their entire album or anything like that. I'm sure. But, <laughs> yeah, no. But, you know, I don't object to their existence. Do they release albums? I think they've got two albums out. Jesus. Yeah. But I don't object to the fact that they exist like a lot of people do. No, they've got every right to exist. And, well, as a but band, if someone though. if someone tries to like play them to me, then I, I just... I'm sorry, anyone who says they don't think that Gimme Chocolate is... I've unknown. never heard it. I don't listen to you them. You have, because they played it when we saw them. The I don't know what the fuck their songs are called. Well, there's one called Gimme Chocolate. Oh, well, yeah, I know that now. Great. I'm sure it was lovely. It's amazing. Oh, fucking hell. I'm going to have to have a think about you. <laughs> um, all right. I'm, I'm a little bit angry, so we should move on. Uh, uh, Matt Raven wants to, wants to know a gym playlist. The gym? For being in the gym, yeah. Oh, Working right. out. A workout I playlist. do not go to the gym. <laughs> you surprised me. If I did go to the gym, uh, I'd probably listen to Crowbar. All right. Um... What have we got next? Uh, George Grimwood. Hey, George. What's the best gig you've ever attended? Ooh. Oh, that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one, right? That is a really hard one. Uh, I've seen a lot of good gigs in my time. Yeah, as have I. And I've seen a lot of bands nowadays as well. Uh, the best metal show mm. I ever saw. Again, I couldn't narrow it down to one. Um... Seeing Miss Sugar for the first time was a bit of a revelation. Yeah. Because they play, you know, for those of you who don't know, they play these really bizarre rhythms on guitars, which are tuned so low that they're practically like bass guitars. <laughs> yeah. And everyone in the band is doing these really bizarre rhythms with un- really jarring notes with an angry bald man bellowing over the top of it. Yeah, pretty but- much sums them up. They're, but the, what makes it such a weird experience when they play live is that they've got more lights on stage than any band I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, like It's unbelievable. I mean, the amount of power they use must be... I don't even want to think about it. But their lights man actually sort of has all of these millions of light bulbs, floodlights and all the rest of it going off in exactly the same rhythms as these really strange, jarring rhythms that they're doing. Yeah. So the entire thing is like complete sensory overload for about an hour and a half, and you just you're by the end of it like just constantly bombarded at God knows how many decibels by this stuff, yeah. scorched retinas. You're just kind of like a gibbering wreck by the end of it. It's amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, always love seeing Gojira live. I've seen them five or six times. Yeah, and it's always. Always buzzing after I see them for yeah. days afterwards. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. sure anyone who's, who has also seen them was... Um, um, what's the word? <laughs> Confirm that. That's the word. Yeah. Um, Devin Townsend's Retinal Circus. That was a good gig. Yeah. Devin Townsend presents Ziltoid the Musical. That was a great gig. Yeah. Uh, best guitar gig I ever saw was Joe Bonamassa at the Hammersmith uh, Odeon. Yeah. That was really good. He's a blues guitarist and he plays like Eric Johnson and uh, Rory Gallagher and all the really good blues guys and Stevie Ray and Hendrix and, you know, modern blues treasure. Yeah, man. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> got time for one more question before we do... Drew Sop's Fables. Drew Sop's Fables. Um, And it's going to segue us into uh, next week's topic. It's uh, George Grimwood again. Hey, George Grimwood. Next week's topic is love. So, George simply says, what's the best love song? Probably something by Meatloaf, I should. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Not, yeah. Okay. But then again... There was always a. I would do anything for love. But there was always something quite tragic about Meatloaf's love songs, though, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Generally. So maybe. Undercurrent maybe enough like, tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do love Meatloaf a lot. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I do love Meatloaf. I don't apologise for anything, though. Uh, no, fair enough. So we're choosing a Meatloaf song. Yeah, it's the best well, love song. No, no, no. They're not. Um, they're not really love songs, to be honest, actually. I think. 
Meatloaf sings about lust a lot more than love. Yeah. You know, so that won't... Filthy animal. So that won't do. No. Um, I don't know. Whitney Houston. <laughs> I Will Always Love You. Yeah. Well, that isn't even a, originally a Whitney Houston song. That was a cover by some person or another. All right. Um, you got any better ideas? No, not really. Uh, there you go then. The Power of Love. The Power of Love by Huey Lewis and the News. <laughs> or did you mean the other Power of Love one? Oh, whatever. Love lifts us up where we belong. Love lifts us up where we belong. Quite. Um, right, let's, let's, let's end it there. Um, thanks for all the questions. We've got time now for uh, Drew Sop's Fables, so fable music, blah, blah, blah. Just a giant what? buttocks. No, I mean. Let's say for the, let's just no, say it's, it's a giant it's, buttocks. It's, it's, it's a don- I'm going to imagine it's a giant. It's a donkey, buttocks. isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to say it's, it's giant. Ass means donkey. Okay, but I'm going to. It's not I'm going to imagine it is. You're imagining a disembodied ass is going to be <laughs> an actor in this. <laughs> yes. Okay, fair enough. Um, so once upon a time. Yeah. We're back to the animals again. Yeah. Okay. Aesop. He got bored of not doing animals. Again, so he's to do animals again. Yeah. So last week, uh, last week, uh, sorry, once upon a time. <laughs> last week. This happened yeah, why not? This is, ha- this is a recent. This happened thing. last week. Yeah. Last week, um, yeah. this uh, this lion and an ass were sort of <laughs> milling about se- completely separately. Oh, right. And uh, no, not the lion. No way, I fucked up. Um, Start again. Yeah. Anyway. So, last week, um, <laughs> a fox was sort of milling around in the woods. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm a fox. Got to eat, haven't I? Yeah. I mean, a fox has got to eat. Yeah. I better go and uh, hunt something. Of course, what this Aesop didn't really factor into this is that foxes are actually scavengers rather than predators. <laughs> right. But there you go. Whatever. And he's like, oh, well, yeah. Not having much luck here. This is mm. a bit this is a bit rubbish. Um he encounters all of a sudden an ass. Yeah. And uh giant ass. And he think, thinks to himself, oh maybe I could take this ass. <laughs> Okay, okay. Uh, it's quite a lot bigger than me. Yeah, I, yeah. I better not. So, you know, the expression kicks like a mule. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Asses and mules are not actually the same thing, but you know, they're no. related, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to get kicked by this guy. Be game over. So, I know. I'll make an ally of him. That'll, mm. that'll do. Befriended the ass. So, yeah, he bef- made friends with the ass. And he said to the ass, hello, ass. <laughs> yeah. And the ass said, hello, fox. <laughs> Did he? He did. And <laughs> the fox said the fox, you know, um, I don't know about you, I'm a bit peckish. Yeah. So I said the ass. I said, well, are you, uh, you, you hunting then? And they said, well, no, I wasn't actually, but uh, now that you mention it, that might not be a bad idea. You know, what about you? Are you hunting? Yep. Are you having much luck? Nope. Oh dear. Mm. Well, maybe said the ass. We should uh, we should pool our resources. <laughs> yeah, and you know, okay, that's that's not a bad idea. Maybe we should. You know, we can uh, if we come up against anything, maybe a little bit bigger than either one of us could take individually. If we combine our efforts, you know, we can get a tasty dinner going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And the ass said, okay, yeah, I, think, I think we've got a plan here. So off they trotted, you know, through the yeah. woods. 
and you know didn't have much luck at all mm-hmm. they carried on for about an hour or so until they came up against this bloody great lion mm. in the woods yeah let's uh, not go into yeah. it and the and uh, Fox was like oh bloody hell that's it it's curtains isn't it yeah um, so right I've got to think of something here otherwise my number's up so yeah. very quickly formulated the plan and the ass was also kind of like oh bloody hell what do we do and he's in the ass, so the ass said what are we going to do mate and the fox says don't worry I've got a plan I can get us out of there yeah. out of this so you stay here I'll just have a chat with this geezer and uh, <laughs> yeah. so he sort of wandered up to the lion and says hey you alright how's it going and the lion says yeah it's alright you know was planning about you know planning on going and find something to eat but you've made it quite a lot easier yeah and he says well I'll tell you what that ass what don't carry on I need to tell you about that ass I'm insanely immature and I don't care okay. he says well what about that ass he says well bloody great kick I mean if you if you try and take him now there's you try and take that ass now <laughs> there's there's a, there's a very strong possibility he could kick you extremely hard and the lion's like yeah. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that mm. oh, well thanks for the heads up I said, oh, you're very welcome but I tell you they said well you know if I can't take the ass why can't I take you mm. And I said, ah, and the fox was like, ah, I was wondering if you'd spot that. Luckily, I have a plan, which is to our mutual benefit. Mm-hmm. So, oh, what's that then? Well, you know, about half a mile up the way from here, there's a bit of a, there's a hole, isn't there? There's a ditch. It's a bit bigger than a ditch. So it's like, oh, it's a bloody great hole, as you said. Yeah. So, okay, good. Well, what I'll do, I'll just leave, leave the ass up there. <laughs> Uh, I'll leave, leave the ass and, uh, to the hole to the hole uh, and <laughs> when he's not paying attention when his guard's down yeah. push him in <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then you know, no problem easy pickings for you then isn't there death from above yeah, yeah. and I said oh, that's a good idea I like this I like this I like this plan and so we uh, yeah, cool. Right, well, I'll see you up the way. And uh, the fox trots up back to the ass and says, Okay, it's all right, we've got safe passage. I've managed to smooth things over. Well, that's a bit of luck. Yeah, well, you know, smooth talker and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well done. So they carry on up the way. And um, you know, they get to the hole. And so, why have we stopped here? Uh, well, you'll see in a minute. Trust <laughs> me, this is all part of the plan. Oh, yeah. good. So, uh, you see that the lion sort of slowly meandering up the path behind him. And uh, I should probably point out as well that the reason the fox did this is that uh, you know the fox obviously was trying to secure his own safety. He was trying to save his own hide. And that yeah. was the deal he kind of struck with the lion. I should have mentioned that earlier, but I forgot. Um, so, shoves him in. So, oh, you've Fucking bastard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the lion's like, ah, good, good, excellent. I see you've secured the main course then. <laughs> like, well, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, you've uh, provided me the main course. I feel like an entree, though. <laughs> yeah. Gobbles up the fox. Yeah, yeah. And eventually gets round to sorting out the ass. <laughs> well. <laughs> so the moral... The moral of the story is that uh, the treacherous <laughs> should expect treachery in return. Oh, God, I've got to get you to read more of the ass that made it so much better. All the fables are now going to have asses. <laughs> I think there was a few more in there that involved ass. Oh, God. Oh, well, we could do this more. Yeah. What a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. That was the best one yet. I loved it. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, that's the end of our humble podcast. Yeah, see, I don't think that one was as entertaining, really. Oh, I fucking loved it. That was the best one. Yeah. I mean, well, I did enjoy the first week with the giant 
horse-sized duck against the fox. So. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> I enjoyed that. All right, well, we're both incredibly tired now, and uh, we've got work tomorrow, yeah. so um, we're going to go. But next week, the topic is love. Send us some lovely questions, and, um, yeah. Stay wordy. Oh.